0: This is Jim Lyon at Viewpoint. And with me, Kimberly Majewski, right alongside. Hey, Jim. So glad to see you, Kimberly, always. Glad to be here. And we here at Viewpoint have been exploring, unpacking a series about history, the history of the Christian church in the early centuries. Right. Do you like that stuff?
1: Oh, my goodness. I love that stuff.
0: But wait, there's somebody listening today who's already turning the dial. Don't, don't, because we're not just in some kind of academic tome about ancient stuff. We're actually talking about the present day and how I could be an incredible. You know that movie, The Incredible? I do. Little animated characters who are superhuman, and they function as a family in ordinary life. But then every now and then, they don their spandex, and they go out and save the world, make it better, fight bad guys. They're Incredibles. That's right. They do things that nobody thinks are possible. But actually in history, we see in the early centuries of the Christian era, a whole community of people that we could describe as Incredibles because they turn the world upside down. Nobody can look at it from the outside and think, well... They naturally did that. No, there was something going on that was unique about them that caused them to have so much influence. And that's why it's so interesting for today, because we live in a world today that needs some influence for the good. There needs to be some transformation going on in the world around us. How do we get there? Is it possible? Yes, we can be Incredibles. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: You late
0: Our series, Kimberly, is one that has been inspired by a book. And this book is not written by a guy who believes in God even. He's not a person of faith, but he is interested in Christian history. Right. And his name is Bart Ehrman, Mm -hmm. and he is on the faculty at the University of North Carolina at uh, Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. He has written many books. He's quite a successful author. He writes for an academic audience, but he also reaches a popular culture. Mm -hmm. He's accessible, you might say, at both ends of the spectrum of Mm -hmm. uh, interest. And he has been looking at the history of Christianity. He does not think that Christians prevailed the persecutions and trials and tribulations of those early centuries of the Roman Empire, he does not believe that's a consequence of supernatural intervention. Right. Neither does he believe that it became politically attractive to become Christians, therefore it was mainstreamed. Right. He's not buying that. There was no reason in the early years to be a Christian. There was no economic or social gain. Mm-hmm. He thinks there are some other characteristics of these early believers that are the key to understanding how they overtook the empire. His book is called The Triumph of Christianity, How a Forbidden Religion Swept the Empire. One of his ideas is that the Christians stood out from the crowd, not because they carried weapons or had a cable news channel or were able to hand out books. None of the things that we think of as influential mediums, they stood out because of just who they were and how they lived, because their faith caused them to have an all-encompassing transformation. It wasn't compartmentalized. They didn't just do different rituals now. They actually lived differently. Yes. Kimberly, I know you've studied this period in history some. What did people in the Roman world who were not Christians consider to be normal religion? They went to worship at temples. What was different?
1: Yeah, so the Romans were very religious. They will think of the early Christians as atheists because these early Christians don't worship the emperor. They think of them as uh, cannibals because they eat flesh and drink blood. They will call the early Christians incestuous because they are having these holy kisses between brothers and sisters. They didn't understand the language. Uh, So the Romans actually look at the Christians in this way in the early years. For the Romans, religiosity meant you honored a particular god over that particular aspect of your life so there's a god for the home there's a god for your finances there's a god for your fertility there's a god to watch over your children and so forth and so on and you lived in community you participated in these in this cult life that was the same as civic life, and that's how you made it in the world. That's how you progressed in the world. And so the ancient Christians sort of lived antithetically to that kind of idea, and the Romans don't know what to do with them.
0: And so if I lived in Corinth, ancient Corinth, for instance, Mm -hmm. uh, where there's a towering temple on the uh, Acropolis of the city to Aphrodite or Venus— She goes by different names, Mm -hmm. but this goddess of fertility and uh, sexuality and so on. Mm -hmm. And and that's a pervasive influence in Corinth. Mm -hmm. And I might worship her, but it doesn't actually change the way I do my business, right? Because I I might have a whole different set of ideas for my business, and and they don't connect. So everything is siloed in religious life for most Romans. And the Christians show up, and they start embracing this new deity, Jesus not made with human hands, but who has some kind of power over them to transform every area of their life. So when they worship Jesus, and we have ancient witnesses who are not Christians who talk about how they would sing songs at the break of day of praise to their God and so on, and how they would make oaths that they would not lie or cheat one another or anyone else. They had this Mm -hmm. high ethical standard. And as they worship this Jesus, then they're going down the street to their shop or their trade or their laboring Assignment, right, and they're going to bring those same ethics and that same integrity to everyday life, and that just was a phenom. That just was not normal.
1: It was a phenom, and so the Romans respond to this by being skeptical, and and it, as it progresses, they will, they will, they will become um, persecutory to these Christians. The Christians are living out this Jesus ethic, this kingdom call, and so they're not permitted to participate in these ways of life, in these ways of forming community that the Romans do that center around this Roman pantheon and how they worship their gods, and so What begins to happen is the Romans aren't going to trade with the Christians because they aren't a part of their civic group or they don't worship this God. And so that becomes this superstitious thing for the Romans and the Christians become sort of separate. And it becomes known in a community then if you're a Roman worshiping the Roman gods or if you're this other worshiping this guy they call Jesus of Nazareth.
0: And that translates into every area of life, though. So they're tested in their faith because of this all-encompassing ethic of life and and the way in which their whole way of walking through their community is changed. Mm -hmm. They're tested by these challenges and and persecutions and so on. But even in the testing, they treat their enemies differently than the Romans would think. So love your enemies and turn the other cheek. These are the teachings of Jesus, and they're demonstrating over and over in the integrity of their business, Mm -hmm. in the way in which they give a day's labor and and do it fully, the way in which they are honest in their conversation, the way in which they speak and believe the best about others, as Jesus called them to do. Mm -hmm. And and all of this is a standout, and it persuades the Romans to ask questions. Well, what is really going on with this? (laughs) These people seem to be content. They have life, they have energy, and somehow they're better off than we are, even though they don't have the social niceties and the material wealth that we have. And that becomes a critical aspect of the church's overtaking the secular and hostile civilization. When we come back, Kimberly, let's see the kind of scripture they were reading that would give them this way of life. Christians of the early centuries were clearly counter-cultural. By that I mean their way of life, their way of viewing the world and others around them was not the same as the pervasive culture of their time. They were counter to it because they had a certain grace, a certain generosity, a certain mercy, a certain integrity, a certain warp and woof of their whole being that was quite different than ordinary life for most Romans. Right. And that was drawn from their understanding of the scripture. Mm -hmm. These early Christians were just generations away from Jesus, but they were still generations away. Mm -hmm. And the stories were handed down and the scripture began to take root and people would have parts of letters that some of the disciples would write. And one of those guys is Peter. Peter writes a letter and uh, he's speaking to people in the early church and he's counseling them about how they should live and giving them good advice. Look at this passage in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 13. Kimberly, what is Peter saying to those early believers? What are they hearing?
1: So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy.
0: We know you might have comments or questions along the way. I want to give you a number. We'll give it to you again in a few minutes as we close the broadcast, but know this, your voice always matters to us. You can dial this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week, toll free. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. The early Christians changed the world. They turned a hostile civilization upside down and actually reframed everything. And still today we are benefiting from some of that reframing in the way in which we look at our world. And that was in no small part to their sense of being called to be holy. Right. That their lives were not just about the ritual observation of a deity. It was not just about honoring some kind of idol or even the emperor far away. It was about living day by day, minute by minute, waking and sleeping all the year through in a new way that could be described as holy. Give me an illustration, Kimberly, about how that might have landed on somebody in a city like Corinth or Athens or Rome in the day.
1: So it lands in such a way that you are living completely counter to the community around you, and because of that, you're distinct. So imagine this Roman walks up to this shop on the Agora and wants to do business, and you're going to do business in an ethical way you're going to be generous, you're going to not cheat this person. At the same time, you're not going to make an idol for him uh, to
0: buy anymore. Because somebody might want to just have an idol made for my home.
1: That's right. And so this idol worship is so pervasive that it it's part of the economy. And so Christians were having to make the decision that we're not gonna participate in this uh, in the pagan worship uh, so that means I can't make idols anymore. Well, I can make a wooden box. You can buy a wooden box, but I'm not going to make wooden idols anymore. And so they lost business. But at the same time, it's it's compelling because these folks in the town are saying, you know, that guy over there, he's strange. And uh, I, I'm a little bit afraid of him, but he's really good he's been fair with me." And so they have this conflict. They can't quite figure out why someone is honest, um, but also not participating in those things that are so everyday Roman.
0: And why would someone suffer an economic loss just because of some system of belief about some new God I can't see? Why would they do that? You can see the power of that, Mm -hmm. to arrest attention, to cause people to wonder, to engage in conversation. And the reality is that the world is still waiting for a people who are so overtaken by their walk with Jesus that every part of their life has changed. The way they speak with other people, the way they talk about other people, the way in which they do their business, the way in which they listen, the way in which they invest, the way in which they just are generous in their hearts. All of this is still the heart cry of a world who doesn't know what to do. And I'm fascinated by... Ehrman's theory, because this world is so much more like the Roman world than we want to give it due. It's becoming more and more of this kind of siloed environment of people saying one thing and doing another, and they profess this, but they actually don't transfer that to the other part of their life and so on. And how do we influence the world and, and bring it to this life that Jesus brings? How do we do it? How do we become incredibles? We make it our ambition to live up to, by the grace of God, this call to be holy. It's not done humanly. It cannot be done by simply an act of your will. It requires a choice of your will to surrender to God so he can supernaturally empower you to be better than you are. That's what we're about here. We're Christians Broadcasting Hope, and we're giving you the hope that you could actually be changed for the good all of us can be, and we can change the world. Where do we go with that? How do we pursue it? You start with prayer. You start talking to God. You can do it with us right here, right now. Just take a deep breath and know that we're going to talk to God. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for making us. Thank you for loving us, even though you know everything about us, and not everything there is to know about us is that pleasing, because we all have stuff. We all have things that we are not so proud of. We have some shame and guilt. All of us do if we're honest. And Lord, we bring that before you and acknowledge that we're not capable ourselves of overcoming all of that baggage, but that you are, and that your son Jesus came into this world not only to show us how to live, but also to take on himself the consequences of our failures. And Lord, as he has given his life for us, we now receive that covering. We thank you that he lives still and pray that his Holy Spirit will strive within us now, We surrender our lives to you and ask that you will remake us in every area of our being. Give us the power, the capacity to overcome temptation and all that is less than the best. Make us, Lord, holy in your sight, we pray. And may the world around us see that we are reaching for heaven's best and in so doing loving them. We pray, Lord, that we will help change the world and become in some way incredible too, as they were in the early centuries. If you prayed with us, give us a call. Just dial this number one 800 757 view That's one 800 757 8439 And Kimberly, if someone wanted to check us out online, where would they go?
1: You can visit us online at our website, cbhviewpoint.org, and you can send us a message there and we'll reply.
0: That's CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope, Or at the last, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, viewpoint. Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please, let us hear from you this week. We would love to hear your voice, and never forget this, the world needs you too, to be an incredible for the good. Kimberly, thanks for coming alongside, not just for this program, but throughout the whole series. So glad to be with you.
1: Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it.
0: And we thank you for tuning in as well. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.